Hi, and welcome to the Ask Mom and Dad podcast. The Ask Mom and Dad podcast explores questions that come to us in all areas of life. We endeavor to have raw and unfiltered conversations where we try to better understand the life we're living, the questions we face each day, and the possibility of solutions that make sense to us. I mean, we're not perfect by any means. So we just explore these questions through the lens of being a mom and dad who've raised a few kids and seen a few things along the way. We also do this as believers in Jesus who's given us the grace, faith, and courage to press on in life. Today's podcast, we are breaking into three parts and we are um, trying to discuss the subject of should we burn it all down, looking at things going on in current events with the tearing down of statues and the question of what kind of history we need to keep. Last week we explored the idea of how we deal with the past in relationship to all the crazy upheaval that's dealing with in today's American culture. We looked at how people tolerated the belief of slavery and saw that it was okay while still claiming to be Christians. Is that even possible? I mean, we look at the beliefs of some of our nation's forefathers and the tension that they lived in as they tried to forge a better world and ask the question, how do we move ahead and what should be our focus? Today, we're going to turn to the question of pushing and pulling down statues, desecrating graves and all that sort of stuff. So let's go ahead and turn into part two of Should We Burn It All Down? That's fine. Honor them. But make them a part of our history, not not degrading our history or, you know, dismissing it. Yeah. And also not... It is important also to realize that while Americans were terrible to American Indians, people like to remind that, we are the only <laughs> country in history to set aside lands for a conquered people to, to maintain the land. There was, there's nothing... Uh, America's sometimes... a you know, accused of colonialism, but that's, we were once a colonial colony of England. Um, but that's the whole part of our main purpose was not to be um, colonizers. That's why uh, you, for example, you know, we fought the Vietnam War and the Korean War and gained nothing from it. No natural resources. <laughs> right. We literally were fighting off, helping the people of that country fight off communism Tyranism, at the time, a yeah. tyranny that was trying to take them over. And there would be no South Korea today if it wasn't for our, in, in, for us being there. And there would be no, um, no uh, South Vietnam. I mean, there would be no free aspects of those country had America not been present. Yeah. We gained nothing, literally, really nothing from it. So I think in, in defense of our, our value as a culture for life, I think we take for advantage that all the world values life. Hmm. And that's not that's true. Not true right? um, but there's also the question of our Native Americans. Sometimes they aren't they the ones that have chosen to be separate nations. We gave them that honor and said they could be in here and, and yeah, designated certain lands for them. I don't know if that's ones they were chosen or not. Who knows? We can all look that. into the more but, research on that. But, but I, one thing I think that they've tried to do is, is maintain their autonomy because I would love to have seen them as part of our nation and yet to some degree to honor them is to let them be They've autonomous and keep yeah, that. We've allowed that to happen. I know there's a couple of historical um, uh, native groups who have literally kept so separated out that they don't even have their own electronic and water systems and that, but that's been their choice. They literally wanted to stay off the grid and, and separate and maintain their own thing. It looks to me like a sadness, but they don't see it that way. So I think that's another thing we've not considered is how do people feel about it? What do, how do we want, what do they want, you know? So in this day and age, maybe we're trying to listen. I don't know. I, I'm concerned that we're hearing it wrongly. And we've also heard from some black leaders and such about to see the history correctly. They've tried to teach their own people that if you would see, you know, the political um, people who have who fought for them, such as President Lincoln or President Grant, um, people who have 
who have stood in the gap for them to honor those and not tear them down is what I'm trying to say, to bring up the truth and, and make sure people are aware of what the truth has been, where we've come from and where we are now. And then that's fine to make goals of where we'd like to be, but well, not yeah. to oppress the people again, you're, just to make and you're those going, goals. And even. you're going back to the, you know, do we have to burn down our, forget, wipe out, annihilate our past? If we don't, if we do that, we're going to annihilate everything that's good and everything that's bad. Yeah, that's we we can't well. just. The, I was reading this morning <laughs> about um, in Matthew about uh, the Jesus tells the parable of the gardener who plants some seeds and the seeds are there and as the seeds begin to come up, weeds come up with it, and those who are tending the garden say, "Should we pull up the weeds?" And the, the, the seed planter says, "No, don't do that, or you might tear up the things that I've planted." And so we're spending a lot of time as a culture um, focusing on the weeds rather than seeing what is is um, is planted and intended to be fertilized. We're fertilizing that which is wicked rather than that which is good. <laughs> and I've always said that we tend to become what we celebrate. And if we're celebrating the things that are terrible, and by celebrating, I mean drawing all of our attention and resources to the things that are terrible, mm -hmm. we're never going to be able to, to... We're not watering that which is good. And so we're making things... Um, things uh, that are good just wither. Here's what here's the thing I that I've wrestled with this that this whole statue comment they want to tear up. They want to dig up Confederate graves. These oh, are things gracious. that have been all talked about. They they've torn down statues of Washington and Oregon um, of of just people who literally there would be no free slaves had there not been in America. I mean, b yeah. between England and America, the liberation of slavery and the and our understanding of free people in this in this world exist because the of the the things it, that yeah. were planted in this country, not the weeds that grew up among it. Right. And what Jesus is pointing that story is that in the end, God will sort out the the wicked from the good. So there has to be a faith aspect in place to say there is a higher being. We're not responsible for pulling weeds. There's someone that's going to come along and pull those weeds later on. What we should do is water what is good while paying attention to the weeds and anything that would attack yeah. what is good. We need to take care of the attack. But if it's just there's if there's just people among us who hate the good stuff, well, they're just let them hate. You know, we're gonna we're gonna pour what is good. <laughs> the thing that I, the thing that I was gonna say just a second ago is Lincoln and Grant understood at the end of the Civil War. When when Grant first started, he saw mostly um, and the thing that's interesting about Grant is he knew everyone he fought. Every, this, this is the first time a war was brothers and sisters against one another. People, I mean, yeah. families were on both sides of this. Some fought in the North, some of that, but they knew each other. And eventually they met on the battlefield. Sherman surrendered to Grant and Grant fought with him in the, in the American um, uh, Spanish War. Uh, Mexico, Mexican-American War. Grant was under his command. Mm -hmm. And um, so it went from the, the commander um, working for the commander to having the, your own commander surrender to you at, the, at Appomattox. But at Appomattox, Grant did something that was interesting. At the beginning of the war, Grant saw treason. Everyone that went to the South were treason traitors. But Lincoln softened him over time because Lincoln was concerned with preserving the Union and the Emancipation Proclamation, which came about during that time. All of that was important. But Lincoln saw Americans. He didn't see traitors. He saw Americans at feud with one another over something that was inevitable. Yeah. Lincoln happened to be the president that had to fight that battle. And so what Grant did was he over time became to see that. So at, when he was known in when he was fighting on the Western Front is no surrender Grant. 
U.S. Grant came to be known as Unconditional Surrender Grant. He never let any of they just everything. They lost everything. They surrendered. They became prisoners of war. But when he was at Appomattox and Lee surrendered, he let everyone take their sidearms. And if they had an animal, take it home and 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 told them to go home, plant a crop and begin to live again. He gave he gave Lee the ability to walk out in full regalia with everything that he would have that would be stripped of him normally. The unconditional like surrender grant had come, become mm-hmm. major conditional surrender grant. <laughs> and Lincoln and Grant both held the belief that we were are all Americans. And so the reason that we have cemeteries today that have American and you that we have union troops and um, and Confederate troops. Confederate troops together buried is because they're all Americans. Yeah. They may have done stupid things. They may have believed stupid things, <laughs> but they, they understood that for this country to heal, we have to all understand we're all Americans. The reason that you and I, I think, survive in this world is we go to a larger state as believers and followers of Jesus to believe that all people are, are God's creation and human beings under the kingdom of God. That's right. And that belief allows us to value all life, all human life, not just American lives, but lives that don't even share our... Including unborn. Including the mm-hmm. lives of the unborn. Yeah. And, and so anyway, I mm-hmm. when I think about people tearing down statues and things like that, I think that you're missing the context of what messages were trying to be sent initially with that time frame. And because it's a mob rule mentality and there's this need to pull all the weeds, they're, they're ripping up what was, what's of value and what needs to be really watered, not weeded. Well, and the problem is that most of them that are declaring that really don't, they're working in ignorance. They really aren't fully versed. It seems on the truth of the historical contexts, and they haven't been taught. They've, they've, we've talked, we've heard this from several that they've been taught incorrectly, or have been, like you said, emphasized way the wrong things. Yeah. So either in their home lives or their their upbringing, maybe it has to do with their, um, you know, situations in life or whatever. But the the bottom line is they've they've not learned that. So therefore, I guess. They are working in a, a fog of, like you said, tearing up weeds without even knowing what the actual plant maybe was originally. Yeah, yep. I wanted to bring up, um, when you keep speaking of that, there's so many different places in the Old Testament where God tells them, remember, remember what we've come, what I've done for you. Remember where you've come from. Remember, keep those things in front of your memory because otherwise you do forget. You end up... Uh, either going astray because you're pompous in your own accomplishments or the other way around, you're, you don't allow what is now to be reflective of where you've come from so that others can grow through it with you and teach. You can teach your children. Anyway, Samuel, um, after one of the battles with the Philistines and where God had, it says that the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that the that day against the Philistines and drew them into confusion and they were defeated before Israel. And then Israel went out from Mizpah there and pursued the Philistines and struck them. But then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter that territory of Israel. Um, God told Samuel, instructed Samuel, set up this room, this Ebenezer Stone to remember, I've helped you this far. So little pillars along the way have shown us it's here. That's what I was, yeah. I was saying about uh, 
the, the great men who have led us and have stood against their own, um, and uh, you know, particularly Grant and Lincoln, stood against a lot of opposition to to believe that Americans were all Americans and were, had the right to be free. So I hate for them to not know, for, for people to not know that these are their heroes as well. They may be a different skin color, but they are, the, they fought the same. They laid the foundations. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, the people today are fighting, you know, uh, battles of, of um, that need to be fought, but they need to be fought differently. I think the question of statues is interesting, particularly in this time, because the recent business with the George Floyd killing and um, and all the aftermath that we've been living in now for the last couple of months have been has been that it's accelerated something that was already a conversation happening. We we um, the police officers and stuff. Is that what you mean? Or? No, the the um, the issue of the statue. I want to stay on the statue issue. That's another conversation, the police officer thing. But the statue issue. Right. The, the thing that happened with Floyd lit the fire under everything that's been there. So the yeah. question of are we dealing with our past questions? Well, yeah, we already were having the conversation about the statue thing. Now, the election mm-hmm. of Donald Trump, you know, because of the um, inflammatory nature around the politics there helped to also illuminate some of these or bring these things to more aggressively to the forefront. People are are um, using his personality and, and the political opposition there as a catalyst for these conversations, none of that necessarily <laughs> is wrong in the sense that we should have good conversations. Yeah. Um, but when we begin to allow, again, the watering of the weeds to outweigh the nurturing of that which is good, then we begin to burn it all down. And yeah. and so the statue thing was a conversation that a year ago, two years ago, I was talking with people. Do you think we should keep Confederate statues? Well, you know, that one was put up. Someone would say to me, that one was put up specifically to, to intimidate blacks in the community because it was in the middle of the park. They'd be reminded every single day. So what should we do with it? I said, well, that's a good question. You know, do you think we should take it down? Well, I think we should put it in a museum. <laughs> I think now, because of what's happened, literally, it's the fire has gone wild. It's not contained. It's out of control. They're tearing down everything in sight, and it's just chaos. Yeah. So... You know, yeah, the one that hasn't come down yet for some reason is Lenin in the middle of Seattle, right? Yeah, we're not tearing down communist people. We're only tearing down American people. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so okay. let's just keep our... That's another oh, day. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's I another got day. Got that, that's just a piece of art. Um, <laughs> and so the... Uh, uh, I don't think people maybe even know what Lenin did, but that's another conversation, like I said. Yeah. I, I lost my thought on that. Uh, we... We were. Uh, we need to revisit. Yeah, you said this earlier. You know, we're not really well educated. There's been this move in our country to devalue America as an as a country and its purpose to reeducate. Yeah, as to, to what we to are here. Reframe to, to the say, truth. For example, We've even heard that over time. Over for example, and over to again. say that we are people will say that America is in um, a uh, what was the word I used earlier? Uh, colonize, uh, not a colony. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> A- ageist here I'm getting feeling old um, the uh, is that what you mean like colony yes but not um, but there was an aspect of colonizing the, of colonizing for right? the for the purpose of of, um, of obtaining the resources or just uh, oh, for yeah. the you know so the, I, the country that colonizes for the benefit America is not a country that's colonizing for the benefit Americans came here not to to colonize and reap benefits for England 
The people came here by and large because it was a land that was open and vast, free so that they could practice their religion freely, so they could they could live Jeez. out from... And most yeah. of them were people that had not been able to find um, a healthy way of, li- way of living in English society, so they came to America to, to forge a new world. Yeah. And when they came here, did they expect to find other people here? I doubt it. Maybe some did, maybe some didn't. Um, the, the limited understandings of science and they might have just thought it was a brand new land and they were shocked to find people when they got here as the people who were here already were shocked to find them. Mm-hmm. And they lived together at peace for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, did evil work its way in? Sure. Weeds grow up among the good. Mm-hmm. And we have lived with that for our entire country's history. Yep. Um, when it looks, when we look back at these, these tearing down of things and statues and repro- well, sure we should have that conversation, but that conversation has to be balanced with the good what are we trying to do to move forward? We can't We can't just take this, well, if we wipe it all out, then we don't have anything to balance to say, what is the gauge to say this is right, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. We, we need to realize that some of those statues, Confederate statues, might have been there for wrong reasons and repurpose or put them in a context, just like they did with the Nazi, um, with the concentration camps, repur- replace them, set them up as a reminder of what we're not fighting for versus um, someone who... who uh, who was an American who was following and, and fighting and was just another soldier. And, and that's the part of that history needs to be left alone, not torn down or put in a museum. You don't dig up a grave, yeah. but you leave that unnamed soldier alone because that, that was a person who was fighting for what he thought was right at the time. It wasn't just because he was wrong. Doesn't mean he didn't believe he was doing something right. Yeah. There were as many Southerners who fought for, Less for less noble reasons, and some who fought for what they thought were more noble reasons, and um, in our current understanding, um, if that makes any sense, I um, yeah. So should we burn it all down? <laughs> uh, here is maybe well, maybe the question isn't shouldn't we burn it all down? The question is how do we keep from burning it all down? Yeah, how do right. we have a conversation moving forward without burning it all down? Well, again, I'm kind of a fan of history, so. I like learning, and I and I do feel like that we need to keep some of that stuff in our face to cause us to remember and to learn and to teach our children. There's other things in other places, I guess, that we can go on, and some people aren't interested in keeping those things alive that that are are harder memories. I was trying to picture myself as one of uh, when we visited that. Uh, concentration camp is one living there like if you had if you bought a house up there and you didn't really even understand maybe mm-hmm. you moved in that place weren't sure there was one you didn't have a relative that lived there or anything like that not sure how every day would be just kind of in and out passing by that concentration camp every day because eventually it gets cold eventually it it wears and it's just something that happened a long time ago that you don't even relate to Mm-hmm. But again, I think the Bible is really clear that that's the thing that we as Christians are supposed to do a little differently. We are actually supposed to remind our children of God's work in our lives, of not not really of evil. I mean, we're we're to be innocent of evil, the Bible says, but masters at what is good. So remembering where we've come from is remembering what the hope is, what the good is, what the where God has been at work and where we've come, we've come so far, how God has brought us here. You right. know? So I, I think that's one piece of it. We, we can defeat the negative at 
at the ex or because of what the hope is, the good thing. So to me, the again, the concentration camp isn't to remember the evil, but it's to remember why we want to never ever go there again. Why, yeah. you know, this was an, this was evil. So now the good has come. These are memorials. These are hopeful things that have have remembered that someone paid a price so that we could learn that lesson. Well, and it's important to realize that the Holocaust is a is a really good example of why we shouldn't burn it all down. Um, there are people out there today who are Holocaust deniers, and it's a large and growing number of people. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Especially same, in our young people in this country. For some yeah, they don't. They, they don't. Sort of it's they don't want. Dismiss. It's too overwhelming for them to grasp that human beings, you know, could be that evil. Yeah, but those same people want to deny we went to the moon, and what's that about? Well, that's the whole point, isn't it? <laughs> that if we if we don't preserve our history, the good, the bad, and the ugly, then we deny it eventually. We deny the things that make us uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to remember that there was a time that for German people to remember that there was a time where they were okay with allowing Hitler to exterminate people and that there mm -hmm. were some of their friends, neighbors, kind of. family members participated actively in that process. Yeah. That sociopaths reigned in that in that time of terror. Well, it's uncomfortable point. to realize that those people because we started with this in this conversation was Am I capable of great evil? Mm. Am I capable of diminishing a human being to lesser than? Mm. And um, yes, Jesus made the statement, if you look upon another woman, then you've committed adultery. He, he, he diminished it yeah. to, if, if you, you look. If you hate on someone, you murdered, murdered them. Yeah. So the, you, the, all of those are diminishing humans. Eek, right? And mm -hmm. all of us are guilty of it. And you go, well, I'm not as guilty as, it doesn't matter. You're guilty. You're, the, the, the fact that you're guilty of it a little means that you're capable of a lot. It just means that because every step you take makes you, it's, it's kind of like getting fat. You know, it's not that first bite of an Oreo that's going to get you. It's 12 packages because once you've had the first one, you don't know when you can stop and well, you and continue when, to grow. When God reminded the Israelites to think on what they came out of and where, what, how they, because I think we also have, how, what is it? Um, we, we sometimes say hindsight is twenty twenty, but we also say we reflect on our past a lot better than it really was. So if we don't remember some of the negative, then we won't probably remember the positive even correctly because <laughs> yeah. we end up reinterpreting it. Even though now the narrative is trying to change it all where the truth isn't the truth, which is, excuse, confuses me some. When God said for them to remember what it was like in Egypt for them, he wanted them to remember the plagues and the... Um, the difficulty and the slavery that they had because otherwise they reflect on the leeks and onions and the whatever. So it's funny how how if we don't kind of, like you just said, kind of reflect on how evil we could be or how we've been there or who we were before we knew Jesus a little bit, it doesn't show us quite the extremes that we have come from and are at now. So you're right. I, I think if we burn up our past, we've... We'll be uh, prone to repeat it. Is that what they say? Yeah, yeah, and we won't know we're doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing that the gift that we have in this conversation right here is, I can not just point to the Civil War. I can point to the Revolutionary War. I can report. We can we can talk about mm -hmm. World War II and Adolf Hitler. We can talk about Mussolini, and we can talk about Lenin, and we can talk about just the '40s, and then we can go back <laughs> to. Um, to all the way back to biblical times. I, could, I, I didn't even bring up the fact that, you know, the Jews were in 
in captivity in Egypt. Egypt saved them from famine and then enslaved them for 400 years. <laughs> and then God set them free and they wanted to go back to slavery. So were they really slaves? Well, some thought slavery was better than yeah. struggling in the desert for 40 years. And then they got to another place and then they ruined their chance to be there. And then they were overrun by Babylon. And Babylon's practice was to enslave the people, scatter them out, rename them, make them forget their entire culture. Mm-hmm. But the Jews made a point. Synagogues were born during that time. They were little learning centers that were set up so that Jewish people would go every week and be reminded of the culture that their enemies were trying to steal from them. That's why America was created. Churches formed in America so we could come freely here and worship so that a church in England, a a national church, couldn't steal from us what we chose to believe. It's kind of funny because you're reflecting on then the English national church. and, And in reality... That they even need to revisit their own history because I was talking about um, a whole other podcast. Yeah, Henry VIII and the dissolution of the monasteries is is the whole reason that they actually have a freer freer type religious system in their um, system, you know, in their um, country because they they at one time were under a Catholic harsh rule with the. Um, Pope and the Emperor of Italy being over them, you know, and then they got free from that. And then Henry VIII messed it all up. And yet in reality, he set it free so that they could have the King James Bible and put it in the hands of everybody. I mean, it's, there's so many pieces to history that the negative is happening at the same time as the positive. And if we don't reflect on some of the negative, we don't remember how, where we've come from. So I think you're right. I think both of us are saying it, it's not right of us to destroy our history in light of where we're coming or where we're going. It's right of us to do the best we can to reform and to continue to progress where God is taking us, not in a liberal progression type of idea where we steer away from God, but where we cling to him who is our salvation, who is our our reconciler, who is our um, builder of hope and rebuilder of broken walls, you know, that kind of thing, so that God can show us where the walls that need to be torn down and the ones that need to be built, because there are obvious yeah. ones that need to be torn down and ones that need to be built. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of it kind of brings another question to mind is what do we do now? Because I was thinking about when you and I fight, you and I have an argument. It's never a constructive time to reconsider or to consider how we need to move forward in our marriage when we hate one another <laughs> in a moment. We don't hate. But yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> no, don't lie, Tanya. There are times where you're like, hate may not, you don't, we don't want to use the word hate because that makes you a murderer, but you're kind of close. Um, I earn it sometimes. I mean, the wounds are, wounds are there, but let's just say, but when we're, when people, when two people or a group of people are angry at one another, right now our country is embroiled. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a good time to be tearing things down because what we do is we tear right. down everything. We pull weeds with, right. with, with, uh, with good stuff. Um, so what do we do mm-hmm. to, you know, for we you and pray, I, the best thing to do pause is pause and take a Yeah, Sometimes breath. you're just like, I'm going yeah. to my room. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Right. <laughs> um, and I just, well, and I've had to, to learn over degree. the years to give you room to breathe and I'm yeah. still not great at it, but sometimes I'm just like, I just need to be in pain while she won't talk to me. <laughs> well, to some <laughs> but, degree, you know. exactly what has happened right now is that they've taken control a little bit, kind of said, nope, this isn't the way we're going to do this. Vandalistic type things. Yeah. In other words, the law and order has to stay in place. Because Which is it's tough because that's part reason. of what's in question here. Is, is, is well, but fine. we also know 
that rogue, random, like you said, the riotous uh, mob mentality is not going to solve any problems and it's not going to help people. It usually tears things down and hurts people. Which yeah, people say what's well, good because it draws Seattle, attention. I'm going, OK, we've, yeah. you've got attention. But when <laughs> yeah. people start, I mean, we're making crazy policies right now. Some of the cities yeah. are, you know, the whole, you know, they're telling you, defunding, here's the policy, yeah. defund the police. And so they're yeah. OK. I heard someone say today on that, it says it's never a good idea to tear down a thing before you have something in place to mm-hmm. replace it. Well, then what was... Your friend used to tell us all the time, never make a decision in the yeah. dark when you... <laughs> never make a decision. Never never question a decision made in the light when you're in the dark. Yeah, or something like that. So being... Never question in the dark a decision you made in, in the light. light. That's that kind it. Of thing I got the quote like right. <laughs> but the bottom line is, yes, we, we need to take a breath. We need to, in, uh, to me, use the rule of law, say, you know, this isn't the way you go about it. This is not... You don't desecrate things just because you're angry right now. Draw back and then let's talk. Let's have some conversations. And yeah. there are there are many many having conversations which need to happen. That's okay. Let's talk about it. Let's find out where you're hurting still, where you you know feel less than or whatever, and see how we can get you out of that. Some of it really does need to be that cultures in our society that have stayed apart and separate end up getting treated that way. It's been a chosen thing. Maybe that's not how it should be, but it's been something we've chosen well we could challenge that maybe yeah some of the cultures in our inner cities especially we'll have the uh chinatown over here or the you know neighborhood that's what tends to be more the black neighborhood over here or the this neighborhood over that or whatever maybe those need to be mixed up a little more so we can see each other i don't know because i feel like to some degree that's what we're blaming we're blaming that, but it's not, it's something we've chosen. So maybe if we could challenge that a little bit more, but you got a whole other conversation there with, um, Mm -hmm. you know, why do, you know, if, if people want integration, then why do we have people moving to communities? And the first thing they do is they move to communities where there's people, people. you know, mm -hmm. when you go to Seattle, there is a, um, an area that is, that is mostly where black people live and there's a Vietnamese area Mm -hmm. and there's, and there's, I might I might not recognize across cultures when they are of the same skin tone like uh, Vietnamese Chinese, mm-hmm. um, Korean, Filipino yeah, Korean yeah. all those kinds of um, Asian type mm-hmm. cultures. <laughs> but the the reality is they do and they're mm-hmm. separated that way. You I could cross over yep. and find that in this and and they go to those places. Um, I think easily because it's a place where they can be um, well, it's at rest, at ease. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have to work so hard to be work, to, be, a, to be among people who can... are very different than you is exhausting. Yeah. That doesn't mean you, there's, there's a whole nother I remember way I was to approach to that about. Ukrainians that lived in, was it Iowa when we were living there? Mm-hmm. Or um, who were a completely separated out group. In fact, I, one of the ladies, she was a pastor's wife that came to our, uh, pastor's wife retreat and did some hair and nails and stuff. It was her job, and she liked, she wanted to offer that to us. So she did that for us. I remember having a conversation with her. Where do you get to speak English? Because she could barely speak English. She said, I, I really don't. We speak Ukrainian in my church. We yeah, and my ch- at my home, my children go out and they go to English schools, but we very rarely talk even in our home. She said, I try because with them, you know. But that's exactly right. How are they going to expect to integrate into our society or in, and become, feel at, at ease with English speaking? You know, we look the same. We have same color skin and hair and eyes, but we're not the same. Right. Well, because we've divided off, then, you know, so she could, we could throw stones at each other and say, well, you are this or you are, I am this. But why? 
Well, because we've chosen it that way to some degree. So well, we, we, I agree with you. It's, 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 like I said, it's emotionally exhausting mm-hmm. when, yep. when there's so much change. We're just not capable of it and, and um, of making that many changes at a time. So having a place to withdraw to, you know, for example, you, we talked, you and I have been talking about just, you know, you and I are both kind of um, getting older, but you, I'm more of an extrovert. You're more of an introvert. You, an introvert, by definition, recovers alone, but you're not alone when you're here with me. Most all the time. Yeah. Well, my, <laughs> see, it's leaking. Walks. <laughs> never. That's the only time I walk. <laughs> you take those times to walk, but also when you're here at home with me, sometimes that's a that's an aloneness that you can still recover with me, with the human being there, because right. it's a comfortable place. You're familiar with those kinds of things. Um, but as our kids get older and they have their own families and their own lives, and they come in and they just kind of dump that on us, sometimes even our own kids can become. A little overwhelming at times. It's not that you don't love them. It's just I'm Are tired. Are you saying they bring their culture and dump it on me? They dump their. Kinda. They bring their. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they assimilate into new cultures. Um, but no, we we tend to hang out in homogenous groups. It's just what we do. Um, because our country has been battling the issue of how do we integrate and help black and white relations, particularly. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Black and white people um, have equal rights. We forced integration. In other words, we forced people out of a of a place where they can breathe at ease. Because, unfortunately, prior to point, civil we rights, we yeah. forced them to stay in their <laughs> yeah, groups. Right? And so the, the obvious solution was to pull them out and force them together, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not really. Um, well, I and mean, it probably helped. Yes and no. Yeah, it I was going to say, it probably and, helped some and, in some And situations, I think it was, it was good in its concept, in its idea. But, yeah. but then to say that now that's the case, you can never go back into your homogenous groups and just recover... Um, or be different, you know. Anyway, there's got to be a balance there's somewhere. Gotta, I don't know. In some regard, I think it's in, it's in those early days when segregation, desegregation was being forced. It was very exhausting, and um, and that's that's true. But now, like you and I talked about the other week, we're not exhausted by people of different cultures and race any you know yeah, no. we are Although very very comfortable with i probably that. couldn't go live in a chinese neighborhood and really feel at ease at least uh right at first it would take me quite a while like like you're saying to adjust to that always being true so i think you're right i don't think no one i don't think anyone really wants that to be the habit of their lives unless they do find a way out to feel like it is them, like it is their own. So, for instance, if I was in that neighbor, if I decided to move to a Chinese neighborhood, I would need to start learning that language. I would need to and really that's, enjoy and, that. That's academically food exhausting. And, yeah, yeah, it's exhausting. But I'm saying that would be the that would be the only way. Because if if I couldn't feel at home with some of that, learning language, learning something, just like a missionary who goes into a place has to sort of integrate into the. The culture and the they have to learn they have to do a lot of research before they go in then they have when they go in they have to learn the people and the you know the language and the the just operating processes and stuff and it is exhausting but if you're going to do that it takes some work and effort and i think that's exactly what we're saying over all this these efforts have to be made but they also have to be made on both sides they need to be made they need to be across um, cultures, across cultures. Yeah. They need to be made from the one who feels put down to the one who feels, you know, elevated up, whatever it is. They also need to be made so that historically we can accurately assess what's actually happened and what's helped and what's not helped and all that kind of thing. So it's all valuable. 
It's just the problem is we, we want to blame instead, and we want well, to sit there and blame because so, it's easier. Yeah, and so what does what does integration look like? If we look at it from the 1960s to today, just briefly, because what you're saying is is it takes in – my, in, my, in my thought process is, you know, it was hard then and it was exhausting then, as you said. Um, and even say still just if you're crossing from here to a Chinese culture. It's just exhausting when you're well, someone coming out of about, something that's totally homogenous into something that's completely different. And I'm even saying maybe it's even just economically. If you're going from yeah. you're working hard to raise up your economic level, you're working hard and you're making a lot of sacrifices and you're doing whatever. But you're eventually going to feel comfortable there and that's going to be a mode of operation now, mm-hmm. new your new world. Well, but it takes a lot of hard work, not just... I'm going to blame those people because I'm not there and sit in my comfort zone over here. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of change you're trying to make. You're right. Exactly right. It takes a lot of, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's a lot of hard work. It's work. And, and I think that, you know, any study of um, the way cultures assimilate into American culture, for example, when people come to the country and they don't speak in English, the first generation speaks no English. They try to learn the English, but the kids that are born desperately want to fit in. The kids that are born in this culture want to fit in. And so as a result, like our friend Chivon, who he can, he understands the language. And oftentimes the first generation kids both speak and understand the language, but they speak English just as good, just as well. And they're just as, they're culturally already American Mm -hmm. and they speak the language, but they still have ties to their roots. The next generation may be more along. They start losing, yeah, they start losing the historical Right, because they're slowly... So now you've got two generations. By the third generation, that culture may not be gone, but it's it's latently there, but they're more American than they are whatever they were when they came in. I think the same thing can be applied here with our with racism yeah, in our culture. So when civil rights happened in the 60s, that first generation experienced a new kind of freedom. And you could back it all the way up to the Civil War, but let's just do the last 60 years because that's where we are today. People are saying there's still problems. Well, yeah, there are, but the generation... That was there had was were being integrated. There, were, there had been no experience between white schools and black schools being together. So now we're forcing that to happen, and that's that's work. It's hard. It was an adjustment. It was you know it was a moral change, not a cultural change. It was a moral change that was happening. It was it was so it was it was a um, and and cultural, but largely a moral thing that was being questioned and brought to bear. That we were being held to the standards we'd said that the um, mm-hmm. that the Emancipation Proclamation talked about that should have been in place for years, but we're now finally being forced to live up to. So they had to undo and unroot all of these cultural biases that didn't exist. And the next generation was um, our generation. You and I would be the next generation. We were kids. We were babies mm-hmm. when this all went down, or not born yet. Actually, mm-hmm. um, I was a couple of years old. Uh, and so my generation grew up, I had parents who spoke of black people in ways that I didn't understand why they talk about black people that way, because my experience in school was, I, you know, I had girls and boys around me of all different races and colors. And, um, and I was attracted to one girl there. And I thought that was, that was a, not of the same color, but I had shame that I couldn't tell my dad that because it was in me that there was this difference. But I didn't like it, nor did I understand it. So my kids, on the other hand, we raised our children, and our children had no experience. So again, by the third generation, racism's completely weeded out of our kids, at least. I can say that. Now, does that mean that's happened nationwide? No. Does that mean that we still need to be having the conversation? Sure. But I think that there's a, there's a good parallel that can be drawn there, that it's being weeded out, and we need to fan that flame right. more than I anything agree. else and understand that... So our our moral responsibility here is we're gonna have um, maybe three episodes out of all of this. Our moral responsibility here is to um, 
is to continue to fan the right flames and not yank out the wrong weeds. Mm. Yeah. I do agree with that. And I think that's your weeds um, analogy from the Bible is, is the best one because it, it really is necessary that we are not going to always know what's the good and the bad, but to keep and protect what is good sometimes means that there's going to be some roots along the way that aren't quite so good. So we need to make sure that we're teach to me, the biggest principles that we're teaching our children that they're, that God has been in and, and among all the whole time. He's given us strength to move out of some things that would have been, uh, if kept the way they were, would not have represented him well and continue to move us toward what he, I believe, what he could do to show a world what he looks like. Because Israel has a, a piece of his heart and then America has, I believe, the Western culture has tried its best to portray Jesus well. So I think there's a combination there of who God wanted the world to see. And I still believe in America being able to do that well and better, you know, hopefully better the more we grow, the more we get out of um, some of the negative places that we've been and and keep growing. I'm going to believe and hope and pray that that's what the majority of our country wants still. And here's, I think this is what's so important. I do believe that's what the majority of Americans want. I don't, you're going to be hard pressed to find anyone that didn't, that hasn't cult, that hasn't judged what happened to George Floyd as a murder. Just from what's videoed on that tape, right. what happens in the court system, regardless, the, the, that person will never be seen as anything other than a murderer, not in the large bulk of American culture. And... Well, that brings us to the end of part two of Should We Burn It All Down? That was interesting, and it's just not got enough time to finish it up. So next week, we'll pick it up. Talk a little bit about the stress of integrating into a new environment. Our country has moved from two very distinct, systemically divided cultures into one whole culture, and the stress of that and how it lingers today and how we see it in systemic racism and what that really means to us. So join us again next week as we endeavor to take on part three of Should We Burn It All Down? Thank you for listening to Ask Mom and Dad.